Welcome to Beauty 4.0, a podcast by Cosmetics Design Europe, brainstorming opportunities in tech and cutting-edge innovation for an industry that can thrive. In this episode, we speak with Estella Benz, founder of AI digital beauty software specialist SkinMatch Technology, about why tech is important for consumer engagement today. Get ready for a deep dive on why brands need to ditch gender, a look into indie promise, a discussion on the clean beauty movement, and also the power data can give brands. So thank you so much for joining me today, Estella. Yes. Hi, Casey. It's so nice of being here. I think it would be great if you could just take us through, you know, you founded Skin Match Technology not so long ago now. Things kickstarted in 2018 for you. What exactly does your company offer and what was the idea behind it? So we're a software company with B2B solutions that can be integrated in the beauty brands or beauty retailers website. And it's We have different ways and and different products, but I think to summarize, we help consumers understand their products and get transparency into ingredients and what the product can offer in a personalized way. So in 2018, we just received investment and um, we only had two pilot clients and we had no code released. So for us, it was quite exciting time to really see if it works and how the clients are responding. Yeah, and a lot of the technology, as far as I understand, is AI driven. Is is that right? Yes, exactly. Especially in our skincare finders that recommend the correct products for each skin type and benefits and whatever the customers today want to look for. Now, Estella, you're no stranger to e-commerce. Before uh, launching and founding this company, you actually owned a luxury e-commerce site. Could you talk me through how your thoughts progressed from that business onto this? So my first idea came up for doing something in e-commerce and beauty was when I was at the Fashion Institute of Technology in New York. And I started that website and, and talked to a lot of customers or also like colleagues in school and asked them what is missing for them when they're buying beauty. And a lot of them said like actual detailed consultation. So they told me that they struggle if they have sensitive skin, like whenever there was something specific, that they're missing in their beauty routine, they wouldn't be able to find something. So I tried to kind of like close that gap by introducing a recommendation engine into our luxury retail store at the time. And is that the same technology now then that is the center of skin match technology? Same idea, yes. But of course, we have worked a lot on it. Um, We have proved a lot on it. But yeah, it's the same origin um, and the same idea. Okay. Now, I understand that you work with various uh, different beauty brands worldwide, some of the bigger players as well. So what are your growth plans for the next, let's say, two to three years? So our next focus really is like catering to startups and younger beauty brands and younger beauty retailers. For instance, we just launched with Beast, which is a men's only online shop from the UK, or with Mister in Australia, which is really exciting for us because we do feel like they have a sense of transparency and like inclusivity that fits well with what we stand for as well. 
that men's skincare category is really interesting. Personalized beauty and personalized e-commerce content uh, we hear a lot about, but when it comes specifically to men's grooming and skincare, do you feel that it's a category that perhaps hasn't quite yet been addressed with uh, technology to enable a more personalized approach? No, it has not. And it has not in, in many different areas. But I think especially men struggle finding the right skincare because there's not a lot of brands out there. They're solely focused on them. And then on the retail side, on the bigger brands, they usually just have these strict lines of like this product is only for women, which I think the line should be blurred. And I also think that men should be given more guidance to really understand the products and how to apply them and like because they want to look just as beautiful as women do. So, yeah, I do think there's still great potential in it. Yeah. And with your partnerships with these e-commerce sites targeting men specifically, what do you hope to bring to their offering with your technology? It's really about guiding their customers through their inventory. It's um, about them letting us know by selecting or answering certain questions, what is important to them and also about their current state. Like, do they have a stubble? Do they have a beard? Do they have sensitive skin? Do they have any issues with their skin in general? And then we are selecting the correct products from the entire inventory of those retailers, which gives men a quick and simple solution that they're going to be happy with because it's going to give them great benefits for their skin. And if you contrast the level of opportunity that you consider there to be in men's skincare versus women's skincare, and which is a larger category, where do you see the differences there? Do you think that the men's skincare is a bigger opportunity ultimately? I think blurring the lines is the biggest opportunity. There's rarely brands that touch this topic. And I think it's just about not making it such a women's only and men only thing and also not calling them unisex, but just be here again, transparent and open about like this product is for skin and that may be dry skin or oily skin, but it doesn't have to be a men's only product. The men's section is booming. It has been growing a lot. I think there's still a lot of potential as there is in in the women's sector. But I think the next big step is inclusivity and understanding that there's yeah lines that need to be blurred. And within the skin match technology offering, Estella, what aspect of your software do you see the biggest potential in uh, for engaging and informing these male online consumers? That's a good question. I think it's in educating them on the diversity of product that there's out there and like letting them know that there's a product fit for them and educating them in what is in it, like ingredient transparency but also highlighting what benefits there are for their unique skin and that they can have fun with beauty again. Yeah. So you mentioned earlier there, Estella, that you've got a a longer term goal of really working much more with indie beauty brands and retailers versus working with the bigger guys globally. Why have you taken this strategy? We do see a great potential um, in these smaller brands because they have usually quite clear positioning and they have also a sense for inclusivity and transparency that I think is, is the future in the beauty industry. Um, and it's also something that we support because we do give a 
like we also tell a customer if a product is not for them that doesn't mean that this product is bad but it just showcases that another product is better and the smaller brands i think um yeah they they understand their customers they usually have a niche and they're very clear in their positioning and i think that is quite interesting for us also they embrace in general transparency and inclusivity which we have been always fighting for as well how accessible is your software and your offering for these smaller companies you know budgets for them are inevitably a lot smaller Yes, yeah, so we have been working on that a lot last year. We've adjusted our pricing. So you actually only now pay per actual usage of your end customers. So if nobody uh, takes the quiz, you're not paying anything. Um, so we are enabling here a, a pricing that is growing with your business. And this gives each startup the possibility to start at any time. You don't need to have 10,000 of traffic to be profitable with our solution. You can also start with a, a lower amount of traffic and we can already deliver the service that your customers need. And for the smaller indie brands, the beauty brands, let's say, very often they've also got considerably smaller portfolios. I mean, is there really a need for this level of personalized e-commerce when you've only got a handful of products? So as a brand, what you need to understand is, especially when you're new, is that it's not just about finding the right product from a, a big variety of products. It's also about understanding your products and seeing or like getting explained why this product matches you specifically. And if you have a lower inventory, so for instance, one of our clients um, has only seven products currently. And for them, it's really about experiencing the products in a personalized way. So I take the quiz, I get the products, and then um, they're sorted by which product suits me best. And then I get the explanation with it, kind of like, this suits your dry skin type. We recommend this because uh, it helps you firm your skin and with anti-aging and so on and so on. So it's about like delivering this reason-wise and giving customers a full list of why they should buy this product, which then helps them to make a confident purchasing decision, even though they had no offline experience before. Right. So particularly useful for when you're discovering a brand, perhaps. Exactly. Hmm. And do you think these needs, you know, the, the need of the consumer to know more, where's that coming from, Estella? Is that a genuine consumer curiosity that has evolved and grown or is there something else driving this? No, absolutely. It has evolved in the last couple of years tremendously. And I think it was coming more from like the way we live and the nutrition side we started looking into alternative like diets and we started looking into kind of like what is behind like GMO, what is behind certain ingredients in, in convenience food. And that has now translated into the beauty industry. The same with kind of like um, saving water or recycling. All of that has translated into the beauty industry and people are more conscious about what is in products. Is there microplastic that might harm marine life and so on? So there's a major change. And I think everybody in the beauty industry has noticed it and has started working on implementing certain things around this. And are you working on anything in the future that will also tap into those concerns? You mentioned things there like microplastics, things like that. 
this clean beauty movement has just soared recently and is very, very much coming from a consumer base. Does your company have any plans to plug the brand and retail needs associated with the clean beauty movement? Yes, absolutely. We already have launched a Inky Explainer. Uh, the Inky Explainer allows customers with a mouse over to understand ingredients, where it's coming from, what it does, what its usage is in the product. And we are now piloting a clean beauty code that we implement on the retailer's website, or usually when you have a bigger inventory, that allows you to automatically display certain clean beauty icons. For instance, we have the Pro Ocean. The Pro Ocean icon only appears if a product is free of microplastic, doesn't have any UV filters that could harm marine life or especially the coral reefs and other ingredients that could be harmful. And that is an automatic way to highlight the clean beauty inventory within your website and give you the the feeling of like showcasing the efforts you're making in this regard with the brands you enlist. Okay. And how are you anticipating that will be received from a B2B point of view, Estella? I've covered clean beauty quite extensively in recent Mm -hmm. years and Many brands have varying definitions of what clean beauty is to them. You know, we don't yet have a global agreement on what constitutes a clean beauty product. And and even you can go as far to say as some formulators and cosmetic chemists will say that, you know, clean beauty just doesn't exist. So how do you think the industry will receive this offering? Yeah, you mentioned a great point. But uh, what we are doing is we're trying our best to kind of like detecting ingredients, what it does, where it comes from. And a lot of retailers are creating a lot of their own clean beauty labels. Here again, I think it's about transparency. It's about explaining to the customer what they understand as clean beauty. And yeah, currently it is not a uniform way of definition, but just by highlighting and it gives a change into the industry that you do, even as a retailer, you are more concerned as well on this topic, which I think is a great thing and will yeah, move the, the industry into a cleaner um, direction. Now, if we just take a, a slight step back, do you think that the likes of your software and technology are going to influence the innovation of the future? In insofar as perhaps shift packaging design or labeling because uh, we've got a lot more information accessible via technology offerings like skin match technology? I really hope so, yes, um, because we are also, of course, collecting a lot of data for our clients. And we even look at like packaging preferences, which I think is quite interesting. Um, in the beginning, when we started with SkinMatch, we did a survey with end customers and we told them to photograph their packaging of their skincare as well as their makeup products. And based on that, we segmented different um, packaging designs. For instance, we have the Gold Digger. The Gold Digger okay. are <laughs> makeup products that are like have like very fine, nice golden ornaments. Um, and like called elements on the packaging. And what we found out is that customers are usually buying within their like the, their, the same packaging segment for each product category. So whenever, 
a brand launches a new line, it can look at the, the existing data and see kind of like, are we, do we want to go outside our existing client or are we designing something for our regular clients? Then based on that, we can give them great indications on where to go in terms of packaging. That is just one of the data points that we are looking at. And there are many more. And I hope um, in the future we can help more and more brands in research and development as well. So beyond the packaging and the, the types of analysis that you can provide brands and retailers on consumer preferences, Estella, uh, you, you must be accumulating lots and lots of data points on, on various purchasing behaviours. What can you do with all of that and do brands and retailers want to know more uh, about that data? I think we could do a lot. Um, for instance, we could for each customer like individualize the e like newsletters, for instance, where they get further product recommendations or we could help in research and development to kind of like showcase which ingredients are trending, which colors are trending. Um, if you look at more like the fast beauty brands uh, such as Colourpop that are focusing on those things. But we've also launched a first draft of like Beauty Insight, which is a small analytics tool to understand who your actual customer is, why they've chosen your products, because of which benefits and so on. But the interest wasn't that big. And I think um, the industry just isn't quite ready to work with that data. Do you think that's because they have never had so much data, uh, the, the team structure's not in place? Have you got a sense as to why? I think there are different reasons. One of them might be because they're currently more um, focusing on the front end, kind of like what end consumers can see and that kind of tech. And, and they're busy with that. On the other hand, it's also about really understanding what you can do with data. It's not about like a, doing a one-time research. It's really understanding your existing data and implementing that in your processes from research and development to marketing. And I think that is also something that is just now beginning and just hasn't evolved yet. Much more to come, hopefully, then in the future. Yes, absolutely. I do believe that it is the future and we are just waiting on their customers to be ready for it. Definitely, definitely. I mean, what makes you most excited about the future of online beauty commerce, Estella? It has been already exciting in the last couple of years. So I'm also really excited to see more of a, a connection between in-store and, and online and not just like yeah, you can either buy it on a website or in store. I want to see those two merge and kind of like giving the same experience in many ways and not being so focused on just one or the other. Um, that is definitely one. And then other than that, I'm also super excited about new brands coming up with new amazing concepts that I think we're going to be surprised on the type of brands that are going to be big because there's never been so many startups and as well as so many exits in beauty, I think it's a great market currently. Absolutely. And I suppose the more you work with the smaller indie, you know, these nimble, innovative brands, uh, in many ways, it, it ought to push you as a company as well, do you think? Yeah, exactly. I do hope that we can grow with that market as well. Um, that's basically a bit of our investment as well. Um, because we are reducing our price to be able to enter that market. 
it also is an investment for us that we hope those brands are are growing bigger in the future. Fantastic. It'll be really interesting to follow how skin match technology evolves. Thank you so much for taking time to talk to me, Estella. It's been really interesting hearing your thoughts on the biggest areas of opportunity in particular for you as a business. Thank you so much, Casey. It was a pleasure. Well, that's all from us at Beauty 4.0, a podcast by Cosmetics Design Europe, bringing you everything you need to know about tech and innovation advances in the field. Thank you.